or trust Joe Manchin at all uh, in his motivations, I think he might be kind of slimy. Yeah, um, I'm very curious. Yeah, he's got this like shit. whole houseboat situation that seems to be really um, smarmy. Have you heard of this? He's, he's he lives on a houseboat in D.C. and apparently like he has a whole bunch of like bipartisan parties on his houseboat. So mm. I'm kind of like, are you? How much are you really interested in in you know tackling the hard problems of America? And how much are you interested in winning re-election in West Virginia so you can continue to party with yeah. fucking Senator so and so on your goddamn houseboat? Yeah. He, yeah. He's yeah. enjoying Sounds the rock dope. star lifestyle. Yeah. What up, world? Welcome to another tasty episode of the Amer Podcast. Oh yeah, tasty indeed. So good. Today is Friday, July sixteenth, twenty twenty-one, and we are recording this episode at six twelve p.m. We got the original crew with us this evening in the virtual house, virtual house. <laughs> Sans one, minus one. John John Kelly, who's doing uh, secret government stuff. Can't tell you. Yeah, and that may or may not be a lie. Yeah, <laughs> I actually don't know what he's doing, but I think he actually might literally be doing secret government stuff. Yeah, like, yeah. I think that is literally a true thing we can say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Minus one, John Kelly. He is out doing things that are important, and his absence is excused. But we still miss you desperately. So we have with us Mr. John Anderson out in the Greater Denver Metro area. How are you this evening? Good. I'm uh, happy it's Friday. Yeah, facts. Happy Friday, indeed. Oh, and by the way, speaking of Friday, the eight-hour work or the wait eight-hour workday and forty-hour work week is a construct that we yes. can get a, can you know get rid of at any point that we want to. Uh, yeah. We should thank the labor movement for the forty-hour work week, and we should also be uh, constructing our own labor movement to get this shit down to four days a week there is evident there is literal evidence that productivity is either maintained or increased in a four-day work week as opposed to a five-day work week we don't need it it's bad for everybody get it the fuck out of here it's also bad for the environment rant over yeah i'll add a little side note to that i've worked in a couple like restaurants that four-day week work week is sometimes mandatory in some of the Mm. restaurants that have like higher volume and demand and it's because you need that third day off to rest and they know that so they can keep like a better cycle going for their employees yeah there you go yeah big time and our west coast correspondent tyler grillo how are you this evening uh i'm i'm doing i'm doing i'm doing pretty all right you know pretty all right um I also want to add to the this conversation, just to clarify, John was saying that the labor movement got you the 40-hour work week versus like an 80-hour work week. I just want to be clear, he wasn't saying right. that uh, they like made it up from some... No, it's down. Um, and also, um, there is quite a bit of evidence that we work now more than serfs did in the feudal uh, days. So just let that sink in. Um, that's fun. And... Uh, would you like to... 
when we talk about like hunter gatherers and we're like oh it must have been terrible then no actually it sounds fucking awesome because you like hung out with people you mostly enjoyed and you like went and found some mushrooms for two hours in your day and then otherwise you shot the shit with your people the people that you liked around the fucking campfire and yeah sometimes you had to like battle a saber-toothed tiger but it sounds way better than an 80-hour work week I'm so, I'm yeah. so I will say I need that third day off. Cause like, I need at least two days to party. So like the, the third day I'm like, <laughs> I'm ready to rest. But like when I have just like two, like I have you know, I don't have a choice. It's, it's just, it's how do I, it's who I am. by doing that, you're doing your duty by stimulating the economy. So mm-hmm. thank mm-hmm. you. That's right. This also might be too much for this, this podcast, but I've been thinking about this for a few days. So I'm just going to put this out here. It doesn't need any, um, doesn't need any answer right now. This is more of just a uh, announcement of uh because this is the party party media channel as i'm going to call it right now <laughs> that i think that i would also like to be referred to uh the west coast correspondent is nice but i would like to be called in the uh west coast party party headquarters um oh yes and, and okay. i'm just putting that out there for approval of you know we don't have another some of our other members here but i'm just uh, putting this out on the uh, party party media channels so that those members uh can come back and contact I don't, I don't think we have a quorum but i do think we can accept uh, uh new legislation Great. and bylaws for consideration at the Great. at the next time that we have a quorum so Great. um excellent yeah and and i if if a second is needed i will second beautiful thank you thank you all right just want to get that on the books Good. Well, I'm glad that we had our board meeting and now we can do the podcast. (laughs) Yeah. And, and I'm your host, uh, Balake. (laughs) Also, also, also here recording with you all today. (laughs) Now the podcast over. We'll see you guys next time. (laughs) This is why we have a concept of guardrails. (laughs) Uh, I and I am not in the WCPPHQ. I am in the Mountain Headquarters, the Mountain Party Party HQ. Yeah, not the West Coast, but the Mountain. Uh, and it's so nice to be here with you, gentlemen. Hell yeah, great to be with you. What are we gonna talk about tonight, Blake? We're gonna talk about a uh, grab bag of interesting things, including how we almost lost the presidency Republic. to a coup. The Republic. The Republic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Back, uh, I guess, was that in November? When From this all went November down? to January. Yeah, between yeah. November and January. Yeah. 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 So some news has hit the wire uh, that was under wraps for a while. We'll get into it, but it is alarming. It's basically like a grab bag of how white men suck, you know? <laughs> <laughs> wow, that is the unifying factor, isn't it, in these topics? Yeah, that's about right. <laughs> An infrastructure bill is probably the most imp- the sexiest thing. That's true. Actually, also probably brought to you by a lot of white men. But you know, yeah, that's the topic. It's on the agenda for today. Great. So, so let's start off with the coup, though, huh? There once was a general Millie, right? Is that how you pronounce it? <laughs> he was very silly. <laughs> um, so yeah, General Millie, who is the chairman of the joint chiefs of staff so he is the highest ranking general um that we have he uh you might know him from such uh famous events as the uh clearing of lafayette square he followed the president at the time uh into the square in battle fatigues which he later later apologized for i actually think that was um in fortuitous in ways um mm. but we can talk about that later 
Um, but uh, he... also, he did that thing recently where uh, he was like, "Yeah, no, there's a lot of racism." <laughs> yeah, he he was like, "I don't, I don't know about you, but um, I I can read Marx and not be a communist, and yeah. like it it strengthens our military to understand our history, and it's not something we should be running away from." It was, I would highly recommend it. It was a very good um pushback in a like a very uh military american military values kind of way where it's like yeah. we're not afraid of this and we're gonna go out and we're gonna conquer the problem That's whatever right. it is which was great it's one of the reasons why the military was the first part of american society to integrate mm-hmm. in the 50s so uh there has been a steady drip drip of a reporting coming out about um how close we came to a coup uh between november and january general milley feared a uh, Reichstag moment, which is his words, which was one of the precipitating events of Hitler coming to power as a dictator. And uh, it's, I mean, some of the quotes in here are, it's its from a book that is coming out. Um, he, uh, reading from the Washington Post, if someone wanted to seize control, Milley thought they would need to gain sway over the FBI, the CIA, and the Defense Department, where Trump had already installed uh, staunch allies quote they may try but they're not going to fucking succeed he told some of his closest deputies the book says so to to put that into context that is the senior general of the united states military saying that he is actively worried about a coup and planning to stop it yeah and i think the main one of the main important things here is that he was stopping it because a huge thing that you need for a coup is the military Yes, right. and and there's one one of the reasons why uh, you can see um, you know a lot of people on the in the right wing media sphere are going after the military and going after Milley himself himself because they know that that's one of the last standing institutions between them oh, yeah. and true authoritarian power. Ironically, is the the United States military, yeah. which is in other countries used as the arm of oppression. Yeah. I would yeah. say that. Um, the the ultimate reason why Hitler was able to pull it off was because there wasn't a single unifying force in Germany at the time. And there was like all these independent military groups. And so he kind of like got them all together. Whereas if the United States military, we're already organized like from that single source. And so like that established that, that hierarchy of powers already there. I think it was a lot harder to penetrate through that because it was so organized. So I, I, I disagree that, um, the, the ultimate reason, which I think was your word that Hitler came to power. I think there were many ultimate reasons. I well, don't think there is no, the reason one. why like the, the military, but, why it was so easy. That's, I meant specifically with the military. Okay. Um, I don't, I don't know if I fully agree with that reading of history, but I don't think we needed it's a long time ago. Um, and it's, it's rather detailed, but the United States military has a strong tradition. And this is, um, unique among militaries, at least as my awareness goes that, um, they swear an allegiance to the constitution, not to an office, not to a person. And that's where, um, you know, Millie uh, put out a uh, a video shortly before the election or shortly before the inauguration, one of the two, I forget which, saying um, the United States military, he said explicitly, the United States military swears an oath to the Constitution, not to a man, which is very interesting seeing this um, 
reporting coming out because after the Reichstag moment, Hitler forced um, the military to take an oath to him personally, yeah. not to the state of Germany or the chancellorship generally yeah. or anything like that. So it seems like Milley might have had something very specific on his mind when he said that, uh, yeah. which is which is interesting in retrospect. Yeah. Um, and so this is important that we process this because I think most people are like, great, we won the we won the presidency and we don't have to worry about this shit anymore. And it's like, no, this was this was a dress rehearsal. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. This was a planning event. And we're going to be worried do- about people. Yeah, we'd be worried about people like DeSantis, and um, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, you see a lot of you see a lot of this allegiance to Trump, right? Like specifically, right? As it, mm-hmm. and and I think <laughs> there's so much evidence of the authoritarianism that is rife through uh, American culture, but I think that this is in different ways. But I think this is a really interesting one that people are so. I mean, and these are these are like you know, flag-waving, like, Republicans who are like, America, and then they're obsessed with a dude, right? And they want this one dude. And, like, that's not, first of all, that's not what America's about. If you ever looked at it, that was the whole idea was it's not about one dude. They're, like, that dude was a king, and it was the whole point was not about that dude. Um, so <laughs> I would say fought a revolution about it? Yeah, there was a whole war about it. Um, it's how we started as a country. Um, that and, and slavery and colonialism. So, you know... <laughs> It, 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 it seems a little, it seems a little ridiculous. And, you know, I really appreciate also the parallels uh, between um, Hitler and Nazi Germany and the, the moments that we're going through now. Very important. And as we, all of us are reading in the Party Party Book Club, uh, as I'm just going to call it in this moment, uh, cast mm-hmm. by Isabel Wilkerson, which everyone should read, is so good. And the three caste systems that she talks about is the Indian caste system, the Hindu caste system, Nazi Germany caste system, and the American uh, caste system, which is based on race, um, but of course weaves in all of the other forms as well. But race is really the central one. And very reading, cool company to be in. Yeah, gr- yeah, very, exactly. very excited about right? being at this club. So this book has really been great. And like, yeah, I know it, but it, it, the parallels that are drawn that she draws in it, I'm like, oh yeah, that, mm, that's yeah, fuck that. And, is the, and the cross pollinization of ideas, yes, too. especially uh, between Nazi Germany and and, and, the United and like. Yeah, that was something that, that I did not know in detail, mm-hmm. and um, that was that's that's been a fun learning experience. <laughs> yeah, fun, <laughs> fun. <and clips. laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so this is like this is deeply concerning, and for the future um, uh, of of our country uh, as well. And you know, it it, ha- it begs the question of like, well, what's what's coming in twenty twenty two? Of course. Um, and you know, what's happening right now with the Democrats, um, being in, uh, power, at least in the legislative and executive branch. And like, I I think that one of the, and I'd be interested because I think the authoritarianism in this, this whole thing rearing its head, I think challenges this a little bit, but what, what often in politics you see is can a party like who is not, you know, the opposing party get some sort of amelioration at least with the voting members of the other party by doing things that help them materially, like very obviously in their lives, right? Now, that gets spun so much in our days of of anti-information that goes information and anti-information that goes around, but this infrastructure bill, I'm curious to hear what people think about it because I think that that's one of the things that it that it has. So the infrastructure bill being the big piece of legislation that Biden has been working on. Um, 
the Biden administration has been working on. Uh, the one thing that it, I, and I think that it can go either way in these days, but the one opportunity it has is to create very obvious material um, benefits to people in front of their face that I hope would make people go, oh, this isn't so bad, um, you know? Um, but I know there's a lot more to it than that. The, the coup attempt? I just want to point out that even though this is like news, I mean, we were all reading in between the lines between like the rhetoric of Trump trying to get people to find issues with the voting. And mm-hmm. I mean, up until today, even all the courts, like they, I think they just got, they just had a judge say no to them in Colorado, like Colorado court today, I think to some Trump lawyers, mm-hmm. um, over some bullshit. So, I mean, like we know that they've been trying to do this, you know, and like, we've talked about this on the pod. Yeah. Um, a- Anderson, you, you mentioned you had something to say to that effect before the podcast. Well, yeah, I, I think this is something that, um, we like, like with a lot of the Trump presidency, it was something that was totally obvious to most, to a lot of people who are watching. Um, but we have this whole issue with, um, just stating clearly what is happening. Yeah. Um, there's a quote. So Jamie Raskin, who is uh, one of the congressmen who um, he led the second impeachment and his son um, tragically committed suicide a couple of months before that. And they wrote a really beautiful eulogy to him. I would recommend everybody go read it like you will cry reading it. I promise I did. Uh, and in that there was this quote that's really stuck with me where Jamie Raskin's kid quoted somebody i forget who that was they live their life as if the truth was true Mm. and that really hit me and so like when we were living through this in real time we were calling it out i i think if i remember correctly i said one of the people we have to watch is general milley and and where he goes i think is going to be really important for um the future of the republic and so i wish that as american citizens individually we just all lived a little bit more like the truth is true mm-hmm. yeah and yeah. and that was one of those things where this was clearly a coup attempt clearly yeah. in real time this was a coup attempt it was slow yeah. motion but it was a coup attempt and we've spent a lot of time twisting ourselves into pretzels trying to figure out what to call it and how to process it. And you have an entire right-wing media operation calling them tourists. And um, we, we need to make sure that we call it, it plain, we need to plainly speak the truth about this day. And so, you know, I'm happy that we did and we're going to continue to do that. Basically, yeah. like at what point did we stop calling a spade a spade? Right. Yeah. 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 And, and, and I think it's, I think it's also like that thing of like, what do you think a coup looks like? What, what do you think it looks like? You know what you I mean? You need to be right. successful like, before you accept it. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, if, it, basically, if you, what you're looking for, if that happens, it's too late for you to stop it. Right. That's right. So, right. And if you, that's the reality that you want to live in, then, dude, we are fucked. On yeah, that's, a, that's another Which thing about... Lead us ahead. into the importance of the infrastructure bill. Like, the reason why it's... It's, it's like, oh, what is it? 12 1.2 trillion dollar bipartisan bill so 
Um, I'm going to be a, a, a real big wet blanket pessimist wah, on this. Um, as we have seen since 2008, the Republicans have a very clear playbook, yeah. which is we're going to negotiate and negotiate and run out the clock until the midterms and dangle bipartisanship and run it out and run it out. And then they're not going to vote for the bill. And then they're going to go campaign at the events of like the bridge opening yes, and all that yes, shit. Like yes. we've literally seen that. And be like, happen. look what I did for you. Look what like, I did you, for you. you but they can also they can go on Fox <laughs> News and say, I didn't vote for it. Yeah, so exactly. what they're doing, I think, is they're dangling the infrastructure bill out in front of Biden because Biden Biden is old school Democrats and what we, the, the Republic is burning around us. And the most important legislation that we pass is voting rights. We have to pass voting rights. We have to kill the filibuster to pass voting rights. And I am afraid that we're wasting a whole lot of time on infrastructure. Now, Biden's argument is I am tying infrastructure to voting rights and we are not passing infrastructure if it's the only bill. The problem with that is the clock is not on his side. The clock is on Mitch McConnell's side. Yeah. And so I understand the strategic calculation that Biden's making. It makes sense to me, especially if it's 1991. But I don't think it is. I don't think any of these motherfuckers are operating in good faith. And because they literally don't want the government to succeed. Like, yeah. that's why the party exists. Yeah. And so it is antithetical to them for government to succeed at all. And a massive infrastructure bill would be government succeeding. So I don't think they're going to vote for it. I think they're just trying to kill time until the midterms. And they have a massive incentive to make sure nothing gets done. Because as we saw in 2010, that's how they won back Congress and how we're in this whole shit show in the first place. Yeah, I was so, say, wasting time um, is what they do best, right? Yeah. Exactly. So, so I think a- that we should just fucking railroad voting rights right down their throats and say we're the goddamn federal government. And if you don't like it, we're sending the 101st Airborne <laughs> in there a goddamn again. And we're going to protect individual liberty and make sure that one person gets one vote and everybody in this country gets a vote. Well, I'm all for that. But isn't Joe Manchin blocking all that shit? Uh, yeah. So Joe Manchin is a big problem with this. Yeah. <laughs> but, so, um, okay. So with the, okay. So he's blocking that with, with the infrastructure bill and maybe, maybe this would be a place that I could be educated and maybe our listeners does the simple, is it because it's so large, do they actually need bipartisan support? Can't the, can the Democrats just unilaterally do it or do they, because the, the bill is so large, the like budget is so large. Do they, are we need- talking about, um, infrastructure or infrastructure, voting rights? infrastructure. So, so for infrastructure. Okay. <laughs> so there's this process called budget reconciliation, right? This is the, yes, this is the thing, the budget shit. Yes. So there is a, and this is one of those things where Republicans have outmaneuvered Democrats, um, for basically for legislation that Republicans care about which is uh, mostly fiscal stuff. Yeah, money. Yeah, okay. Exactly. So like the the way that they got the tax cuts through the the Trump tax cuts is through budget re- reconciliation. Congress has determined, the Senate has determined that for for things around money, there's only a simple 50 vote majority. Okay. For other things like things that Democrats care about, like voting rights, there's a 60 vote majority. Right. So I believe that they will be able to finagle the infrastructure bill to make it be um, under budget reconciliation, which means that we would only need 50 votes plus um, Kamala Harris. Right. Okay. So 
So given that Joe Manchin is being a fucking cock block, at least yes. they can get the infrastructure bill through. Probably. Probably. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. But the, and so, yeah, that adds a whole complexity to the entire argument I just made because uh, Kristen Cinema and Joe Manchin seem to not want to kill the filibuster for some reason. Yeah. And so. Even after they came out being like, oh, I seems like the Republicans aren't playing fair. And you're like, yeah, that's why we're killing the filibuster. So now you're on board, right? And they're like, no, damn it. What are you talking about? Yeah. And they're like, oh, well, if we kill the filibuster, then they're going to be able to pass a whole bunch of shit. And it's like, I mean, they're going to do that anyways. (laughs) (laughs) So, right. And so here's the thing is like, what are you actually worried about? Are you actually worried about them having success in passing stuff? Or are you worried about like the future of America? Like, where is your fight? Well, and there's another thing in there, which is Joe Manchin, at least publicly, is arguing um, this is the way to drive bipartisanship. This is the way to get better legislation that will last longer. Right. Um, Right. No, honestly, how much I trust that argument or trust Joe Manchin at all uh, in his motivations. I think he might be kind of slimy. Yeah, um, I'm very curious. Yeah, he's got this like shit. whole houseboat situation that seems to be really um, smarmy. Have you heard of this? He's, he's he lives on a houseboat in D.C. and apparently like he has a whole bunch of like bipartisan parties on his houseboat. So mm. I'm kind of like, are you? How much are you really interested in in you know tackling the hard problems of America? And how much are you interested in winning re-election in West Virginia so you can continue to party with yeah. fucking Senator so-and-so on your goddamn houseboat? Yeah. He, yeah. He's enjoying yeah. the rock star lifestyle. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think we agree that the infrastructure bill ideally, hopefully, would be mostly good for yes. Americans, generally. I think there's no argument against that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and speaking of the rock star lifestyle um and uh legal legality of things i wanted to mention of course (laughs) the in this in this conversation uh the uh conservatorship of britney britney spears yeah uh and if you all haven't found this how horrible it is all the conspiracy theories it's worse than all the everyone that, that they call the conspiracy theories about her the reality is worse she hasn't had access to her own phone um for years or her own social media it's been all staged um she has been had to work like work which is for her performing when she had a 104 degree fever um apparently her father's like a a blatant alcoholic and the way she talks about she's like my my body has worked so hard for my dad for so long it's like there's a lot of creepy shit going on and and it is one of these things that you know, listen, South Park has its issues, but South Park called this fucking like a decade ago, basically, <laughs> in their episode. Uh, that, like, you know, she has been like sacrificed to our social milieu as this person. And it's like, you know, it's really destroyed her life. She wanted to like have another kid and they forced her to get an IUD. Um, they forced her to go on lit. She was on a medication and anti, because she has some mental health issues. So she was on like some antidepressants that she thought were good for her. And they forced her to go on lithium, which lithium, you know, classically just like dulls you completely. Wasn't the, the main character in the movie garden state being prescribed lithium, right? Wasn't that Is like that the right? whole thing? I mean, like Kurt he- Cobain wrote a song called lithium. Yeah, like the whole. I think the whole point of that was like he was totally numb to everything. Like he couldn't yeah. feel anymore. You know? Yeah, exactly. Great movie, by the way. I highly recommend it. Good feel good movie. Classic. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. 
get some Zach Braff going. Although, what's her name? Uh, Natalie Portman's character. It's not important, right? Yeah, she's a yeah. total, she's a total yeah. manic pixie dream girl in that. Like, the, yeah. the, like, I can the, free you from your sad existence. Like when, when they in film school talk about that yeah. that uh, caricature. It's like, just watch <laughs> yeah, Garden like, State. Yeah. Like, you know, you'll know. Yeah. But yes, uh, <laughs> I mean, like, I, it was good to know that she was able to, I think, hire her own legal counsel and prepare her own statements and everything um, in the most recent uh, case or trial that's going on with her. But it is really um, unfortunate and disgusting. Yeah. We can use a little bit more justice in the justice system, I think. That's right. That's right. And obviously she's a celebrity and it's like a big high profile thing, but shit like this, not conservatorship, but just the ways in which legality can be used to mm. like actually take away people's freedoms. Right. Um, right. I mean, or used not arbitrarily to say, used arbitrarily, not to say anything just of the prison industrial complex and in of itself. Right. Like, and all mm-hmm. of that. Um, but, uh, and you know, dear listeners, we can't go into all the details of everything, but look about that. Also, we didn't, we don't have time this podcast to talk about Haiti. I'm not well informed enough to really have a nuanced discussion. Yo, that of what's is happening a in Haiti. wild story, dude. I think we're still, yeah, there's still like figuring things out. Like there's these Colombian military uh, members that were there too. Yeah, but a lot of you U.S. Know, there was a lot. There was there US were a couple U.S. citizens. Yeah, yeah. it was a U.S. Uh, or a, a Colum- red Colombian or a Haitian-born uh, American gentleman who was trying to ins- install himself. Right. I I think I saw a headline about that, but I don't know enough details to talk about it. Um, the, what I saw, I, uh, the daily has a good episode about this. I think it came out last week. I'd recommend it. Um, the New York times, the daily, but it's, a you know, they had, uh, a, a, a convoy of 50 men, um, in, in moving tactically. Like they, uh, someone said they were in this episode of the podcast, they were watching it and remind them of like, uh, people, uh, us troops in afghanistan about to go in and like capture an insurgent um they they claimed that they were the dea the united states dea they were able to enter the presidential complex uh shoot the president and then exit the complex without any struggle wow um very wild i am this is listeners this is completely not based on fact but i am personally waiting for eric prince to be somehow involved in this story amazing amazing that I, makes totally fucking yes. sense wow. um so just to we'll see if that actually ends up happening but um we are i think entering so there have been stages in uh world history where it would be better to say that armies were mercenary armies for hire like literally those were just armies around and, and a prince could hire them and whatever and whatever and whatever they weren't state-based armies like we have now the united states military and eric prince is trying to constitute a private army he literally there's a crazy story that just came out about him trying to set up like arms manufacturing in ukraine Whoa. like really fucking wild shit and Whoa. he's a billionaire his sister is betsy devos and he's the guy the blackwater guy that yep. committed war crimes in iraq and like, uh, maybe blew up a plane right or like, um well they they shot up a square um is the the like the big story like some, wasn't there some plane too some plane incident, i'm not sure plane disappeared 
I'm He's been sure. linked to a lot of things, so I'm not sure about yeah. that one. But yeah. Um, yeah. So this is a guy to really watch for. But the, what happened in Haiti seems to have been a private action. Yeah. Uh, with well-trained military personnel and equipment, uh, and and we should all be very concerned about that because that means that is just a recipe for entropy. And the more entropy there is in the world system, the more people end up dying. So. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck all of this shit. Yeah. Like nation states need to get this shit under control. Yeah. And and listen, the the Haiti, you know, is in the news in the United States when like bad shit happens. And I think we can talk. There's a whole racial racism lens around that because it's a black country and this whole thing. But Haiti is the second oldest democracy in the Western Hemisphere uh, behind the United States. And they are are they the only successful enslaved nation to overthrow their government and like gain their own freedom? I or this, think that's the, true. Yeah. I mean, like Haiti is, they have an incredible history, but they have been just sanctioned and so many terrible things have happened to them over the years that have really destabilized them repeatedly. And this is another iteration of that. And it appears again at the hands of not people in their own country, that they were outside actors doing something. We, um, by happenstance, we were we ran a natural experiment, which was the Dominican Republic and Haiti literally split an island. Right, right. If you look at the GDP curves for the Dominican Republic and Haiti, it is insane. It is one of the craziest economic graphs you will ever like. Haiti literally is like flatline goes down a little bit. Dominican Republic looks like a hockey stick curve, right. and a lot of that has to do with a domestic policies and be foreign interventions yeah and so like that wasn't a oh they didn't have the right crops or they weren't you know there wasn't enough natural resources it was like no this was because humans made decisions yeah and it had catastrophic consequences for an entire nation and the western hemisphere and colonial powers owe a lot to the nation of haiti and and instead we are involved in private armies assassinating their yeah, president. So yeah. um, this is something that Americans should care about because it happens on our doorstep. And these are the things that produce terrorists, make us less safe, make trading harder. Um, right. And this is something that is hard to see, but it really matters. And on that note too, this wasn't like the first coup attempt in Haiti, right? There were multiple, there's been multiple attempts. And so it's like they get, there's multiple attempts and then they get worse, right? More serious. So like, what can we learn from that? Because what we know has happened within our own country the last year. Right. Yeah. Power vacuums, all these sort of things. Time, yeah. Instability leads to more instability and instability is bad for everybody. Well, and we've been, we've seen the coup attempts and we've seen the insurrection, insurrection attempt now. So what's the next attempt is my point, you know? Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Cool. On that note. On that note, we'll keep it going. You know, uh, stay safe out there, everybody. You know, less masks, but still masks sometimes. Good. Good. I mean, that's just vibe it out. You know, um, get vaccinated, please. Mm. Turns out it's yeah. important. And if one of you motherfuckers spins off a variant, I'm going to be real mad. I'm going to be real, real mad. I'm going to Mexico in a, in a couple of months and I'm getting more vaccines. So bring it on. Let's go. More vaccines. <laughs> yeah. They're, they, I just saw that they're issuing a pandemic amongst the unvaccinated. Um, uh-huh. Interesting. So yeah, it's, it's a, we're entering another pandemic, but it's, it's among those who are not vaccinated. That's where we're at right now. So. 
it's gonna be interesting you know stay safe yeah. get back to hey everybody take care of your neighbors godspeed yeah.